welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 93 for Saturday the 24th of March, 2018. And I've got a little bit of a novelty for you today because I'm recording this in Scotland in our holiday lodge. I thought that rather than doing it audio only, I would shoot a video version. You can call it a video nasty if you want, but you can, if you want to, you could actually watch this podcast diary on the screen, warts and all, uh, from our holiday lodge. And the reason I decided to record it from the lodge is, is usually I, there's not a lot of point me doing video because all you see is the door of my study. It's not very interesting. Um, but today, let me just get to the side here. This is just for the video. If I stand to the side, you'll see that the whole end of the lodge is glass, which means that it looks out onto the mountains. And to the right, to, to, to my right, the way I'm pointing, is Ben Nevis. And then to my left is another mountain close by. Now, the guy did tell me what the mountain was, but I have a memory like a sip of these things. It's like, if, if I don't know it, it's in one area and out the other. So Ben Nevis and another mountain that's probably quite important. So apologies for my lack of geographical knowledge, but you might see the odd sheep wandering by uh, on the hills. And I just thought it would be a, quite an entertaining way to uh, watch the show just for something completely different. So um, if you want to watch the video version, I'll put it on the resources page. I'll also pop it up on YouTube as well. And uh, I've got to get all this processed tonight. I've got a crypto podcast record tonight too. And hopefully I'll be able to get them all processed in time so that they go out on Saturday. So anyway, uh, on with the diary. And I did say you see it warts and all. Usually when I'm doing these diaries, I have a cup of tea with me. And I edit those bits, but I'm not going to be able to edit that today. So you might as well have a behind the scenes look at how we do these diaries. So let me talk to you about what's been going on in my writing world. Um, I finished Who to Trust last Sunday, and you know that I had problems with that. Um, the beginning and the end I had issues with. I went through them on whenever it was, last Sunday I think it must have been. Seems a long way away now, actually. Done a lot of driving this week. Um, and um, it's it's fine now. It's sorted. So I you know I knew there were issues there. I knew I had to tidy some things up, so it's fine now. So having having almost just finished that on the Sunday, I got an email. I'm sure it came in on the Sunday. It was either, yeah, it must have been the Sunday. I got an email last thing on Sunday from my editor, Helen Vazal, who uh, said uh, she's unable to do the uh, editing of that book uh, due to some family matters. Um, so um, I thought, all right, okay. So I, I got it ready by the deadline. And, you know, things like this happen. I know that Helen's had some things, uh, you know, going on, so I'm not going to go into them. Um, and, uh, and so she said on Sunday, I'm not going to be able to get this done. Um, so that's fine because um, obviously I would have liked Helen to do it. I would have liked it for continuity. Um, you know, I would have really liked her to have done the the book. So who's beeping outside? Don't you know I'm doing a podcast? My dad's out. Excuse me. I did say it was live. Somebody's got a peepee van outside. I don't know what they're doing. Probably collecting the bins or something. Anyhow, excuse that. I did say it would be warts and all. Um, so... I had to find another editor. Now, with this book, um, as Helen is not editing it, I'm just going to go for a proofread. When the books leave me, they're pretty dense with, um, well, uh, there's more humor in them. They get kind of leveled out in the edit. And I've decided to release this one 
because uh, it makes me laugh, uh, sort of warts and all, really, and just see what happens. So that I, have, I will do. I went to 20 Books and posted on 20 Books and said, oh, I, I haven't got an editor. Uh, uh, anybody help with the proofread? And within minutes, I, I got myself a proofreader. Now, I particularly wanted a UK-only proofreader because there's a lot of kind of say English jokes, it makes it sound like a Miss Marple mystery or something like that. But I think, um, you know, it is, it is an English humour. And uh, I think a lot of uh, Americans possibly wouldn't get, you know, some of the, um, some of the inflections of the language. So I specifically wanted to have a UK proofreader on it, um, you know, for the first kind of read. So I've got more time than I thought with that book now, because I changed the release date it was good to go on my brother's birthday which is may the 3rd and i'd slipped it already to 31st of may uh, but actually it would have been ready now for the 3rd of may now i don't think with pre-releases you can you've got to stick to the date i think even if it's earlier so i'll, I'll stick to the 31st of may but it at least gives me uh, more time to think about that beginning and the end if i decide to change it i'm still a little bit uncertain about it so I'm, i may come back to those and if i do come back to them what i will do is what i would have done with helen is I'll rewrite them and then I'll sort of tack them onto the proofread at the end and pay extra for that. So, um, you know, there you go. That, that's that's um, who's trust. Finished now, I hope. And I am now in, in creative lovey zone, which means I'm trying to come up with this next story for Project Bloodhound. Now, this week I've been in Scotland, as you can see in the background, and I've been in burden of guilt territory. So my thriller i'm trying to remember where it came it was earlier in the year wasn't it um no it was last year burden of guilt um it's set in this area this is an area that i love it's it's around the fort william area and i came here when i was must have been about 12 something like that with a not with my family actually because my, my family can never afford to go on holiday i don't think i flew till i was 20 something 25 which all the youngsters laugh at now and then you have to remind them that we didn't always have easy jet and it used to cost quite a lot to go abroad um, so uh, I, I didn't I didn't fly till I was very very much older. Just couldn't afford it, and uh, we didn't go on holidays as a family. Not not sort of paid holidays. Um, so I was lucky to get invited in a, in a sort of caravan holiday to make up the numbers. Uh, my friend had two sisters, so I was I was token bloke um, to be his mate. And we came up here when I was twelve, and I just loved it. I loved loved it the minute I saw it. The minute I saw the mountains. The minute I saw the countryside. I just loved this place. So. Because it's got that kind of special place in my heart, uh, my wife and I came up here when we got married. We came up here for honeymoon and uh, sort of explored it uh, as adults and went into a lot more crooks and crannies looking at lovely uh, ruins of castles and things like that, which I get very excited about. And was, fortunately, so does my wife. Um, but, we, you know, we went all over the place, battlefields, all the lovely stuff that you get in Scotland. Uh, so I, I just love it here. So when I wrote Burden of Guilt... Um, and it started in London, and then it came up on the Caledonian sleeper to Fort William. And then the protagonist of that book kind of goes walking, and she she actually stays. I didn't realise actually. I should. This is very poignant. I just this is on the video feed. So apologies if you're listening to this on the audio feed. If I just point over the distance there, the Caledonian Canal is just at the, the foot of the, the kind of hedges there. You probably won't be able to see it. Cause it's getting dark here at the time I'm recording this. Um, but I didn't realise this when I booked these lodges. But they're, they're right while my main character walks along from Fort William and then goes over to the uh, Commando Memorial, which is just kind of up, up a country road over there. So um, by, by complete accident, it wasn't by planning on my part, I, I 
I booked right on the, the course of my book. Now, it, she only, it's only kind of in passing. This is just the, the route she would have taken. Uh, the, the commando memorial is the important bit. But so all this week, um, it's been great. It's been a kind of working holiday. So I, I've recorded some short videos at the commando memorial. We went to Aylandonan Castle today. I have a, a big sort of fallout scene among the friends in, in Burden of Guilt at, at Donan Castle. Uh, where else did I film? Oh, yeah, the restaurant, uh, the Bridge Cafe. Now, you may remember me telling you with the Bridge Cafe that um, because there's a scene set now, I, I sent them some books and said, you know, do you want to flog the books? Well, I, I kind of got a bit of um, tumbleweed. I, did, I didn't hear from them and, uh, you know, kind of zero excitement from them. Um, so I thought, oh, that's a, that's a bit of a shame. Um, so I thought, well, I won't, you know, I don't want to be too heavy handed with people. When I sent books to the secret bunker, they immediately embraced the idea and could see the, the benefit of it. Um, but when I, when I sent the books to the Bridge Cafe, I just kind of, there was just radio silence. So I thought, well, okay, maybe they thought the books were crap or something like that. So and they're entitled to think that. So I thought, well, I'm not going to push them down their throat. But I did go in there incognito the other day because I thought, I've got to go into this cafe. And when I came here, I'm just trying to remember. I don't. I can't quite get the dates right, but I'm sure when I came here with the family in the 70s, it was a there was a little chef at Speedbridge, and then uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm, it may have been open when I came with my wife. We came back with the kids about six or seven years ago when the kids were younger, um, and I think it was definitely closed then, um, you know, and all boarded up. And then it's open since I've been away, and I'm just so, so happy to see that uh, cafe open now. So I, I went for a cup of tea. Uh, and a nice bit of cake there the other day. I, I didn't tell I've written a book and I recorded a video uh, outside it and, and left a review um, and, and kind of copied them in so that they, they knew I was in town. Um, <laughs> but so far, I think they must have read it and thought it was rubbish. So um, I, I might end up another, another go at them later when I kind of, when I produce the video and, and, and I publish it to my author feed i might kind of you know do an app mention of them on facebook and just see if we can get any bites from them but you know when, when i went in there they did sell artwork in there so they've got local artwork in there so they, they might sell my books but the, the, pro the problem with the books is sometimes and I, i'll have to watch this really but yeah it's not really naughty i don't think there's any sex scenes in it but there's, there's, there is an implied sex scene on the caledonian sleeper um, it's nothing saucy. I'm just trying to think. I don't think there's there's kind of there's no sex in it, but there's like you know sexual language and sexual references. So if you're after a like Miss Marple for the tourists, that it's not. But then you know most of the people who who are staying here, I mean they might like the countryside, but they'll all be using bad language. They won't mind a bit of sauciness in a book. But uh, may, maybe they just feel they need to keep on very safe ground um, if they're selling it in the cafe. So as I say, I won't force the issue, but. I did go in there incognito and um, I have been using this as an author all this week. And I've been making the most of it and taking photos of me in places that are in the book. And uh, I'll use that to build some content around burden of guilt, but it's been lovely. It's just been lovely being here. And um, there's a, there's a couple of fictional places in it. So the cottage that the main character stays in, um, that, that is actually, I kind of found where that would be but it doesn't exist. And I do think in a tourist area like this, I think you've got to be careful. If I go naming houses and things like that, that really exist, and I have a murder there and somebody who's almost hung in there, or hanged, isn't it? Hanged. Somebody who's almost hanged in one of them. Um, you don't really want that to tarnish anybody's kind of tourism business, even, even though if the book or if I kind of ever hit the mainstream, it would bring loads of tourists, of course. 
in the way that when I was at Aylan Don and Castle today, everybody's getting excited about um, Highlander. And presumably Outlander's in this area somewhere. There must be some Outlander around here too, um, I would guess. I don't watch Outlander, um, which is also very saucy, by the way. Outlander's very saucy. Uh, the bits I've seen of it, it was very saucy. So um, where was I going with that? I can't remember. Anyhow, um, I think the point I was making was <laughs> it's very nice here. And I've had a very nice holiday. Uh, and um, as you can see, the background's very nice. So I, I've made the most of it, and I will be claiming some bits of this um, for tax because I, it's been a working holiday. I've been doing work uh, here as well. Um, and I would like to set the book up. I like it up here so much and, and, and know it really quite well now i was thinking yeah i'd like to set another one up here it's a good it's a good little place to have mistress i think so for instance these cabins are like there's about how many are there but eight cabins here by the canal what if we were all on holiday and we got snowed in and there was somebody here who was up to something you know it's very easy to create a nice little mystery around this place so um not this particular place because i don't want anybody anybody sort of business <laughs> suffering from it so it always has to be fictional always has to be fictional by the way, if you want to know where these places are, they're fantastic. Uh, these are the, it's the Lockhaber Lodges. Lockhaber Lodges, and they're at where? Where are they? Golockry, blimey, Paul. Honestly, I'm terrible for things like this. My memory is awful. Um, it's near Speed Bridge. Begins with a G. It's where I am. I keep been finding a wig in the car, um, but it, they're called Lockhaber Lodges, and they're very nice. They got really, you know, posh. It's got central heating. It's got ensuite in my bedroom. Um, you know, proper cooker and everything. It's really, really nice. Real home from home. A beautiful views, as you can see. So if you are coming up to Scotland, highly recommended. Highly recommended. We've had a lovely stay here. Uh, one more bit of direct um, writing news is that Phase 6 is going live on 23rd of March, which is Friday. I'm recording this on the Thursday. I will be travelling back tomorrow. I've got a very long um, car journey back to Carlisle tomorrow. Well, not very long, but uh, I'll be driving most of the day. Um, so Phase 6 goes live tomorrow on Amazon and that's my seventh and it's a standalone sci-fi thriller it's been through the works in terms of editing and getting it ready and I'm very happy with it it bridges the books really nicely um yeah it's good to go very excited about that one and also I've laid a few trails um if I ever develop that sci-fi series so uh there's a few sort of crumb trails in that book as well that I could pick up because the whole the whole universe now it's sewn together uh, there's plenty of room for expansion of that science fiction universe, but that's for later. It's not for now. Okay, this is another bit that I would normally edit. Oh, the tea's lovely. Ah, the presenter has a cup of tea during podcast. I'd normally edit those bits, but I'm afraid it's going to be as it comes this week because um, I got two to do tonight. So uh, where are we? Okay, yeah, it's going to be quite a short one tonight, um, obviously, because I'm here. Um, but one thing I did want to say to you is I've been giving a lot of thought to my Project Bloodhound idea. So I start writing that in a couple of weeks' time. i got a couple of weeks now. It's been lovely, actually, being in Scotland, just letting my mind drift away and just letting story ideas percolate. Um, but I, I, I've been kind of reading thrillers, listening, thinking, trying to kind of come up with a a plan for Project Bloodhound. Obviously, I went to Crime and Publishment the other week. And I, I've got a list of things that are, are good to form a framework for this book, things I've learned. And the first thing I'm going to do, I learned this at Crime and Publishment. I, I really believe now, if you think of Adam Croft's book, 
um, I can't remember which one it was called, but it was the one we all saw it. All authors saw it because we were all targeted. It was the one where there was a picture of a child and there was an adult hand over its mouth. The child's eyes were, you know, look, look scared. And it was something like, you know, would you kill your wife to let your child live? It was, it was much more catchy than that, but it was a really, and, and, and it worked really well for Adam. And, and frankly, this brilliant image and that brilliant kind of phrasing, the uh, paraphrasing of the book, just sold loads of copies. It just worked brilliantly for Adam. And when I was at the 20 books, not the 20 books, at the crime and publishment event, we, we had to do a 20-word pitch for a novel, just a 20-word elevator pitch. And when somebody gets a pitch right, there were two people at that event who got their pitch perfect. And you, you, know, you know when a pitch is perfect because it makes you say, Hell yeah, yo, yeah, I wanna I wanna read that book. And so I'm I'm gonna work on the 20 word elevator pitch first. So it's the concept I'm gonna work on first. I'm gonna work back to front in many respects. So if, if I'm sitting down in front of an agent and I got a couple of minutes to inspire them about my book, I want them to say, hell yeah. So I'm gonna start with a 20 word elevator pitch for this thriller. And I'm not going to write until I get that right, until I get that real hell yeah feeling with the 20-word elevator pitch. Because if I can't express it simply, to be fair, you know, with some of the thrillers I've written, they've maybe been quite complex. And to just get that kernel of an idea in 20 words has been a struggle for me. And I think there's something educative in that, in that maybe I'm making them too complicated. I think they're fine in the read. But in the explanation, they're not. And I think they need to be simpler in the explanation. So 20-word elevator pitch, that's what I'm starting with. And then I've got a note there, keep it simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. I've read a couple of sort of blockbusters recently in preparation for this. And what's really surprised me is that I've enjoyed the books. You heard me say that the woman in Cabin 10, you know, had a kind of Scooby-Doo moment. And, and that's not, that's not a criticism. It's almost a kind of a realization that maybe um, I've been just maybe too complicated. I, maybe I've overthought it and that the denouement doesn't have to be that complicated. So um, Woman in Cabin 10, it was kind of like, oh, right, well, you know, that's fine. That's not overcomplicated. We, we just found out who among the possibilities it was. Um, nothing too dramatic there. And then what was the other one I'd read before that? And it was the same thing there. It was just, you know, no great revelation no great twist um the out was fairly simple really and though um i'm, I'm going to try and keep it fairly simple I, i've really worked hard in my books coming up with this kind of great didn't see this coming kind of twist or didn't really know who the heck it was until the very last page um and, and i'm going to try and make this more simple i think the other thing I, i've always told you on these diaries is that i don't write a lot of description i don't like to read a lot of description literary fiction doesn't really excite me i did a did english as my uh, degree and I've, I've had enough of you know, for a lifetime of reading books i don't really want to read um uh, you know i don't i can't you know i'm sorry apologies to classics lovers but i don't really get on with a lot of classics uh, to a certain extent and i know this is heresy but i i feel they've kind of had their day they had their time and place in history uh, and i'd rather read contemporary stuff frankly um, and i you know i say that as somebody who's got an english degree so I don't feel like I need to justify myself um, in, in those tastes, but I want to read contemporary stuff, modern stuff, um, or stuff that's given a modern treatment. I haven't got the patience to read, you know, oldie worldy language. I can't be bothered with Shakespeare. 
you know, and this again, <laughs> I've studied lots of Shakespeare. I've written degree level essays for what they're worth on, on Shakespeare, but you know, I've seen that done that and it's not what I like. So, um, so what, but one, so I, I, I've tended to sort of shy away from that kind of stuff. Um, but what I've learned is I need to write a little bit more description, not a lot of, not a lot of description, not literary fiction, but I do need to write more description. I need to describe people better. I need to describe places better, but not in a literary way, but more than I'm doing. So that this is kind of what I'm learning from, from the work I'm doing before I write this time. Um, I need to create great characters. I actually, I do like my characters. I, I, you know, I think I do create great characters, but I've written that down to remind myself. I love my characters. You know, I love the way they interact with each other. They fall out with each other. They fall in love with each other. They plot against each other. I love all that kind of stuff. Uh, I really enjoy that part of writing the books, but um, it's just a reminder to myself because this was a big thing in crime and punishment, write great characters. It needs to be based around a sort of compelling event or theme. So Woman in Cabin 10 was um, based around a, a suspected murder of a passenger who was not supposed to be there in a cabin on a boat and they're trapped at sea. So in many ways, it's a similar scenario. It's like, and then there were none. It's this, this concept of being trapped in, in, a, in an environment. So my book, um, One Fatal Error, was like that, where they're trapped on this, this millionaire's sea fort and uh, no one can get off. There's no communications. Uh, and that's what um, Woman in Cabin 10 was like. They were trapped at sea, no emails, no communications, and then all this sort of stuff was going on around them. And then the other book that I read, which is, I'm trying to remember what it was called, The Something Next Door, um, and um, that one was, uh, what was that? That was a domestic drama. It was based on the kidnap of a baby. So it was a shocking event, the kidnap of a baby. So, um, you know, you need that kind of pivotal scene. So I'm going to think hard about a pivotal sort of shocking scene or scenario as well. And then finally, I think in this book, I'm going to avoid uh, explicit sex scenes. Um, now, I think I've admitted before, I quite like writing sex scenes in books. I, I, I put them in my thrillers. Uh, they're not sort of gratuitous, and it's not all left, right, and center, but they, they kind of, you know, they crop up where they crop up naturally, and I write them rather than closing the bedroom door. But the, the thrillers that I've been reading don't have um, the sex scenes either. There are, uh, they allude to, to, to sexual relationships, but you don't kind of go, is it through the bedroom door, they call it. So, again... Um, you know, to make this uh, more, I guess, attractive to a wider audience, I'm going to take explicit sex scenes out. I don't write explicit sex scenes, but, you know, sex scenes where you have description of what's going on. Um, so I'm going to take those out. And that's kind of just what I've learned, I guess, from, um, you know, the work I've been doing so far. But this is just a, note, a list of things that I'm going to be following when I do my Project Bloodhound project. If you're listening to the audio version, this is a podcast presenter takes a sip of tea. I normally um, consume a cup of tea during the podcast, but I, I edit the slurps. But today, because of time constraints, you're getting the director's cut today <laughs> for, for what it's worth. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I was hoping while I'm in Fort William to meet uh, Barry Hutchison who is like a 20 books to 50K superstar. He, did, he kind of stole the show with his presentation at 20 Books in London. And um, I've been trying to get Barry on the 
podcast. We've got a slot booked in. But while I was in Fort William, uh, which is his hometown, I thought, well, it's crazy not to at least try and meet for a coffee. Uh, he was away for the first couple of days this week. We managed to get a date for this morning, Thursday. And then Barry had an ill child and he had to stay and look after the ill child. So we missed our window, unfortunately. So I'm not going to get to meet Barry uh, in person, unfortunately, even though I'm in his hometown. But uh, those of you who've got kids will know this is just part of the course when you have kids. They have the habit of doing unusual things, usually involving being ill, uh, at the most remarkable and inconvenient times. And that's just how it is. So it's a shame I've missed Barry, but uh, I will be talking to him. I think it's May time. We've got a, a slot booked in on the podcast. Just a couple of mentions this week. Uh, Claire Sager is a uh, regular listener to this show. And um, Claire put a wonderful tweet on Twitter last week. Um, Claire's getting married this weekend i'm sure that's right at the time of recording this and kind of claire's been um, sewing her wedding dress over the weeks um starting with a mock-up to doing the real thing and has been listening to my podcast diaries all the way through this wedding dress so i've kind of been in a in a sort of strange way kind of connected with the preparations for the wedding claire gets married this weekend congratulations claire wish you very happy healthy life together thank you for listening and for uh, promoting and supporting the podcast but i hope you have a fantastic a beautiful spring weekend it's a lovely time of year to get married you know the daffs are out the snowdrops are out um, and if the weather plays ball you'll have a beautiful beautiful day so i hope it's a lovely day for you and thank you very much for posting on twitter and sharing the final version of the wedding dress and also tim lewis i listen to tim lewis's podcast he listens to this podcast i love listening to his podcast i don't know whether he likes loves listening to this one but he listens to it anyway uh, maybe it sends him to sleep at night or something like that but tim was listening to me um in austin on his way to new york he's been on this like amazing tour of all these conferences and has been posting pictures and videos wherever he goes and i was being listened to in austin um on tim's uh sort of in the waiting room not the waiting room that's in a doctor's what do you call it waiting lounge you know where you wait for a plane that place uh in austin and was heading for new york oh new york i love new york I'd like to go back there again soon um but that's not wish the time away i've got another day in this beautiful landscape it's not dark yet. i can't believe it's not dark yet um, so enjoy it while the kind of the cloud, while it clouds over, it begins to get dark. So that's it for this week's podcast diary. Um, I did say it was going to be a bit rough and ready, but that's sort of the news for you. If you're listening to the audio feed, taking slurps of tea here. Apologies that it's a bit rougher than usual. What I'd probably suggest is that you look at the video and then all those little pauses will be more in context. But uh, I've basically got to do this and then I'm I'm on uh, in about quarter of an hour's time doing the crypto news podcast and I've got to process them and get them ready for the weekend because tomorrow will be a write-off, I'm guessing, um, as well. So uh, thank you for being patient. It'll be normal next week. Um, I'll just do audio only because it'll just be a view of my study door, which isn't very interesting. But I will let you know that uh, next week uh, I'm talking to Martha Carr. This is on Monday. Now, Martha is, again, another superstar of the 20 Books to 50K group. Martha has had a publishing career before, which I didn't realize, actually. Sometimes it feels like people kind of emerge from nowhere. But she's, she's teamed up with Michael Anderley of 20 Books to 50K fame. And since they started collaborating together, Martha's released a steady flow of teen and young adult and urban fantasy bestsellers in the best-selling series, The Lyra Chronicle. So she's had amazing success. And she's had... 
Um, she had some terrible um, health issues. Um, I didn't ask her about them in the podcast because she did such a brilliant job at 20 Books of 50K of telling the story. She hadn't intended to when she started telling it. She was only answering a simple question. And then it was a really powerful um, listen. You know, if you were listening in the audience, and I, I didn't get her to replay it for my podcast because my view is, is I just put a link to it on Martha's show notes. And just, just watch that. If you want to hear a powerful story from an author who really has risen, you know, from the very depths of huge struggles in life to somebody who's experiencing fantastic success, then Martha's had that story. So that'll be coming up on Monday. It'll be episode 108 of Self-Publishing Journeys, and it's being released on Monday, the 26th of March, 2018. So uh, next week, what am I doing next week? Um, I'm essentially going home. I'm beginning to think very hard about Project Bloodhound, but I'm not going to start writing. I'm just jotting ideas down. I'm just having, I think Joanna Penn called it on her podcast this week, Fallow Time, where I'm just taking it easy, relaxing, enjoying life, you know, smelling smelling the roses, as they say. Um, had a lovely week in Scotland, been with my middle son. We've had great fun, by the way. We've been driving around. And again, those of you who've had kids, um, when, when it was just my wife and I, and we used to drive. We used to listen to, you know, rock music that we love and um, comedy comedy cassettes in those days. It was cassettes before the kids came along. Uh, maybe we were just moving to CDs when the kids came along. And then when the kids come, you think, well, you know, I don't want loud rock music sounding out in the car all the time when we've got tinies in the car. So before you know it, you're playing nursery rhymes and things like that, things that the kids want. And then you progress from nursery rhymes in the car to SpongeBob or Little Mermaid, you know, you go through the Disney phase, then you get a bit more sophisticated with SpongeBob. And then in more recent years, like no one can agree on what they want in the car. So we just don't have everything. And the kids just have their headphones on. So, so I don't get anything in the car. And like, this is the first holiday. I said to my son, um, why don't you compile a playlist of, of your, your favorite songs? And uh, let's have a listen to them in the car when we're driving around. Uh, and he was, he was a bit shy to let me hear his music, which I was surprised at. I said, well, look, I'm, I'm compiling you a playlist. I'll, I'll compile you a playlist of the sort of things I think you ought to, ought to be listening to or need to be aware of. So I compiled him a playlist, and we started playing that, and he thought it was all right. Um, you, you know, he said, oh, this is all right. And then he, he let me listen to his playlist. And what we've ended up doing is we've merged our musical playlists, and we've had a whale of a time driving around the highlands. I've just plugged my phone through the Bluetooth thing. Um, we've had a Spotify playlist, dad, dad and son's playlist, and it's been blooming great. My, 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 <laughs> we've been harmonising with the Beach Boys. It's been a right old racket in there. And, um, and, and surprisingly, you know, our, our music tastes are very similar. This is why I like going on holiday with the kids. It's great. When you're sat in the car, you know, they, they, they get talking to you, and it's, it's brilliant. And this middle son is going to university in September, and, you know, we're going to miss him terribly. Our house is emptying bit by bit. Those of you who are just about to have children or, you know, have, have, haven't had children yet or are thinking about it, um, you know, you, one minute you're, you're in the middle of nappies and it, it feels like the beginning of private saving private ride. Before you know it, they're leaving and you don't want them to go. So it's, it's just the rhythms of life, I guess. But um, anyhow, I've, I've really enjoyed spending some time with him. Uh, in this holiday we've had a, we've had a whale of a time driving around together in the car you know looking at castles and climbing up hills and things like that so it's been a really uh, really good week i don't know why i told you that it was just a by 
the buy, but it's been a really nice holiday doing that. And when we're driving back to Carlisle tomorrow, we're both adding new songs to the playlist because we're newly invigorated because we've discovered that we both like each other's music. And uh, I'll be adding a whole load of new songs tonight. So will he. And we'll have a brand new playlist to drive from Fort William to Carlisle tomorrow. And we'll have a whale of a time singing along with it. You wouldn't want to be a fly on the wall in that car, I assure you. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Sorry it's a little bit different this week, but uh, just give you an insight into how it's recorded. Uh, no edits in this one at all. It's completely raw. I will be back with just the regular podcast diary. That will be next Saturday. I hope you have a fabulous week of writing. And I'm just going to step away from the camera for a moment so you can just admire the view before I stop this recording. See you next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.